Hey everyone, it's Storytime with Aussie Dad, and today we're going to continue reading the 13-story treehouse. We're up to Chapter 8, The Big Bubble. We took the elevator up to the main deck and sat down at the table. Okay, I said, where were we up to? Oh, that's right. Once upon a time. Now, let me see. Once upon a time, there was a... A, uh, help me out here, Terry. Once upon a time, there was a what? Uh, whatever, sighed Terry. I don't care. I can't work. I'm too sad. I know Mermadia was a sea monster, but I really liked her when she was a mermaid. How about a marshmallow, I said. Would that help? I'll call the machine over. Nah, said Terry. I'm tired of marshmallows. Maybe you just need a change, I said. How about some popcorn? Terry shrugged. We can pop it with the lid off, I said. Terry shrugged again. Okay. I filled the popcorn maker up and turned it on. We waited and waited and waited. And just when we thought it was never going to pop, suddenly... It did. We ran around and caught as much of it in our mouths as we could until we couldn't eat any more. That was a great idea, Andy, said Terry. But now I'm really thirsty. Some lemonade will fix that, I said. I'll start the fountain. Did I mention that we have a lemonade fountain? Well, we do. It's just like a regular fountain, but instead of water, it has lemonade. Any flavour you want, as long as it's red, orange, lemon, cola, or tutti frutti, which is all the flavours mixed together. We sat in the lemonade fountain for a long time. And when I say a long time, I mean probably a lot longer than we really should have. Oops, excuse me, said Terry, covering his mouth with his hand. But before I could excuse him, I burped even louder. No, excuse me, I said. Terry burped again, even louder this time. Well, you certainly sound like you're feeling better, I said. Much better, said Terry. All I need now is some bubblegum. He climbed out of the lemonade fountain, went over to the bubblegum dispenser, reeled off a long strip and shoved it all into his mouth. Mmm, that good. Terry mumbled as he chewed. Hey, I got a great idea. Andy, watch this. Terry chewed and burped and burped and chewed. And blew and burped and burped and blew until he had blown the biggest bubble I'd ever seen. The bubble was so big that I couldn't even see Terry anymore. That's enough, I said. It's getting too big. But Terry couldn't hear me. And the reason for that was because the bubble had become so big that it had completely surrounded him. He was inside his own burp gas filled bubblegum bubble. Hey, this is really fun, said Terry as he flathered around in his bubble. Be careful, I said. What could possibly go wrong, he said. And then he began to float higher and higher up into the air. Help, 
he cried. Don't worry, I called to him as he floated up, up and away from the treehouse. I'll save you. I took a running jump at the closest vine and swung out as far as I could to try and catch the bubble. It was a good swing, but not quite good enough. My hand closed on thin air and Terry continued to float away, higher and higher into the sky. There was only one thing to do. I grabbed my golf clubs and raced up to the observation deck. I figured now would be a great time to work on my golf swing and, of course, to try to pop Terry's bubble at the same time. I gave it my best shot, but I I didn't have any luck on my first attempt. Or on my second. Or even on my third. But my fourth attempt was a bullseye. The bubble burst, which was both good and bad. Good, because Terry was no longer trapped in a bubble full of burp gas. But bad, because now he was plummeting towards the ground without a parachute or even a crash helmet. Luckily, however, the marshmallow machine seemed to know just what to do. It began firing marshmallows at supersonic speed and within moments there was a giant pillow of marshmallows on the ground directly below Terry. He landed right in the middle and bounced many times before finally coming to rest. It looked kind of fun. Well, a lot of fun actually. I helped Terry out of the marshmallow pile and dusted him off. That was the best fun ever, he said with a big grin. You should try it. I would, I said, but I've got a book to write, remember? Oh, yeah, said Terry. I forgot. We rode the elevator back up to the main deck. This was really it. No more distractions, no more excuses, no more flying cats, giant banana attacks, barking dogs, pretend mermaids, evil sea monsters, popcorn parties, lemonade guzzling, burp gas filled bubblegum bubbles or marshmallow trampolines. We were just going to do our book. We sat down at the table. So, where were we up to? I said. Uh, once upon a time, I think, said Terry. Very funny, I said. Now let me see. Once upon a time, there was a... What? Finger, said Terry. Finger, I said. Yes, said Terry. Well, we put your beginning and my drawing together. You know, like, once upon a time, there was a finger. But let's not make it an ordinary finger. Let's make it a super finger, like this. That's crazy, I said. Ah, said Terry, looking disappointed. So crazy it might just work, I added. Then what are we waiting for? Said Terry, beaming. Let's do it! So there we were, me writing, Terry drawing. It was turned out pretty good, too, as you can see. Chapter 9, The Adventures of Superfinger Once upon a time, there was a finger. But it was no ordinary finger. It was a super finger. Super finger is my name. Solving problems requiring finger-based solutions is my game. What's that in the sky? Is it a rude finger? Is it a thumb? No, it's a super finger. Uh, There we go. Superfinger helped the helpless. Drat, 
I'll never get this package tied if only I had an extra finger. I'll help you solve this knotty problem. Thanks, Superfinger. Superfinger helped the loss. It's no use. We'll never find our way out. We're too lost. The exit is this way. Thanks for pointing us in the right direction, Superfinger. Superfinger even helped those whose nostrils were blocked. If only my finger was a bit longer, I'd be able to get this annoying obstruction out of my nose. And there's a cat saying, yum. Oh, gross. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll have you breathing freely in no time. Thanks, Superfinger. Everybody loves Superfinger. <laughs> World's favourite superhero awards and Superfinger is number one. We love you, Superfinger. We love you too, Pinky. Pinky is Superfinger's faithful sidekick. Well, that's good. Everyone needs a good sidekick. Huh? One day, Superfinger was out looking for new problems requiring finger-based solutions when he heard an outdoor rock concert. That's a pretty loud concert. I'd better go down and see if anyone needs their ears blocked. Flying in for a closer look, Superfinger could see that on stage was his favourite guitarist, Jimi Hendrix. Oh, great! I love Jimi Hendrix. His hands have got the superest fingers of all. But as he watched, Superfinger noticed that Jimi was in trouble. It started a guitar. Uh, it started a guitar solo that was so epic he didn't have enough fingers to play it. If only I had an extra finger, I could really kick this epic guitar solo into overdrive. This looks like a job for Superfinger. Superfinger flew onto the stage and launched himself headfirst at the fretboard of Jimmy's guitar. There you go, Jimmy. I think these are the notes you are searching for. Thanks, Superfinger. It's an honour to play with you. The crowd went wild. Go, Jimmy. Go, Superfinger. Superfinger and Jimmy ended up jamming for the rest of the day, well into the night, and everybody agreed it was the best concert ever in the history of the entire world. Superfinger's faithful sidekick, Pinky, on tambourine. Oh, that's good. You rock, Superfinger! So do you, Jimmy! You too, Pinky! That's a crowd. Chapter 10. The 13-Story Monkey House. Well, what do you think, I said. It's great, said Terry. It's the best story we've done all year. It's the only story we've done all year, I reminded him. Come on, that's right, the next one. We were just about to get started when the doorbell rang. Hey, Terry, called Bill. Got another package for you. Oh, great, said Terry. It must be my replacement sea monkeys. Replacements, I said. Yeah, said Terry. I rang the sea monkey company and told them what happened. They said they'd send some more eggs. They were very sorry. They were sorry, I said. You'll be the one who's sorry if you get another sea monster. But Terry wasn't listening to me. He was already on his way to the front door.
I waited for a while, but Terry didn't return. I figured he must have gone straight to the lab to make his new sea monkeys. So I went down to see, and sure enough, there he was. I've done it, he said, holding a jar up to the light. These are definitely sea monkeys. Congratulations, I said. Are you happy now? Terry shrugged. No, not really, he said. Sea monkeys aren't that interesting after all. Never mind, I said. Let's get back to work. Soon we were back at our table about to start work on the next story when we heard a loud crash. What was that? said Terry. I don't know, I said, but it sounds like it came from the lab. We both jumped up and rushed to the elevator. As the doors to the laboratory slid open, we were greeted with a scene of total chaos. There were monkeys everywhere and they were wrecking everything. They were swinging and leaping and chasing each other all over the laboratory. The noise was deafening. Oh no, said Terry. Hope my sea monkeys are alright. They are your sea monkeys, I yelled, pointing to the empty jar on the floor. Except they're not sea monkeys, they're monkey monkeys. That stupid company has sent you the wrong sort of eggs again. But I hate monkeys, said Terry. Not as much as I do, I said. They're getting into the elevator, said Terry. Ah, oh, great, I said. Now they're going to wreck the rest of the treehouse. We watched helplessly as the doors closed and the elevator rose through the trunk back to the main level. In the time it took for the elevator to come down again and take us back up, the monkeys had created complete havoc on every single story of the treehouse. There were monkeys in the bowling alley. There were monkeys in the bathroom. There were monkeys in the swimming pool. There were monkeys in the kitchen. There were monkeys on the observation deck. There were monkeys everywhere. Watch out, I shouted. A bunch of monkeys were riding the marshmallow machine straight at us and firing marshmallows at our heads. At the same time, another bunch of monkeys were swinging towards us on the vine. Duck, I yelled. We bobbed down. The monkeys on the vine collided with the monkeys on the marshmallow machine. Monkeys and marshmallows and bits of the marshmallow machine went flying in all directions. But the collision didn't seem to bother them a bit. They picked themselves up and began pelting us with anything they could get their dirty little monkey paws on. What are we going to do, Andy? said Terry. Definitely not order any more sea monkeys, I said. Yeah, but before that, said Terry. Whack them with the giant banana, I suggested. It's just there. I pointed to where it was lying on the floor near Terry. But you said two wrongs don't make a right, said Terry. They do when there are monkeys involved, I said. Terry picked up the giant banana and holding it like a baseball bat, began whacking back the marshmallows, pens, pencils, erasers, paintbrushes, paints and monkey poop being hurled in our direction. And then he began knocking the monkeys right out of the tree. But then the strangest thing happened. As fast as Terry could knock the monkeys out of the tree, they climbed back up again. But not to continue their crazy rampage, it was simply to sit and watch him. Or, more to the point, to watch the giant banana. As Terry swung, more and more monkeys came to sit quietly in front of him. Why are they just sitting there? said Terry. I seem to really like the banana, I said. Just keep waving it slowly back and forth. I think you're hypnotising them. Sure enough, Terry soon had the entire gang of monkeys under the spell of the giant banana. 
What do I do now? He said. Lead them up to the top of the tree, I said, and put them in the giant catapult. Of course, said Terry. What did I think of that? You did, actually, I reminded him. Terry had originally designed the catapult as a garbage disposal unit, but we had to stop using it for that because we got too many complaints from our neighbours. For a while, we used it to play tricks on each other. But these days, we mostly use it for getting rid of unwanted guests. In this case, monkeys. I followed Terry as he led the monkeys up to the top of the tree and helped him load them into the catapult. You'd better put the giant banana on board too, I said, just in case they come back looking for it. Done, said Terry, strapping the banana to the mesmerised monkeys. All right, I said, prepare the launch. The enormous arm of the catapult hurled the monkeys and the giant banana up, far away. We did it, said Terry. Yes, I said, now we can get back to finishing our book. And that's it for that for the day. All right, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it.